0: The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647-US12-WEST in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. My God, you are so much more than worthy of anything that our words, anything that our hearts can cry out to you this morning. And yet, you call us your children, and you do wrap your arms around us. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stay standing. Stay standing for a second here. I'm going to ask them to turn the house lights on. You guys can hang and go and have a seat. Uh, the passage we're going to look at today is kind of a uh, self-preaching passage. I thought we'd just stay up and read it together. Since it's self-preaching, you don't have to listen to me at all, but you can just... Uh, Listen to this, but we are going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter twelve. So, if you have a Bible or you have your uh, device, uh, phone, or whatever you have that you're, please follow along. If you don't, though, this is a passage that, like I said, I think it kind of preaches itself. So just uh, just stay with me. I think you'll see what we're doing here as we look at the idea of what it is that, or the way that God describes, that kind of what we're doing here today, what we are as a church. So, uh, verse number twelve begins with these words: "For just as the body is one." and has many members, and all the members are of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slaves and free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And if the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not the eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, and this is verse number um, 18 there, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. And in all, and if all were a single member, and were, uh, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, "I don't need you," nor can the head say to the feet, "I have no need of you." On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to the, be the weakest are indispensable. And on the, those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow I'm sorry, we bestow the greatest honor, and our, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty which are more presentable parts, do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that had lacked it. I'm going to go ahead and stop there and ask you to be seated. You know, forgive my um, uh, shallowness, I guess, but uh, I am so incredibly feeling better because of the sunshine. Are you, are you with me on that? I mean, it seems like weather should not impact me that much. But I got to say, uh, it was just so fun to see the sunrise this morning and look at that. And, and uh, since I'm an old guy, can I be really a corny in just for a second? But we get to gather in here and soak up the sunshine, S-O-N, Jesus, get it? And then we get to go out and soak up the... Okay, I, I just had to do that. I'm sorry. But uh, excited about th- today, uh, looking looking at that. But what we are, are doing as we move into February, here. If you were around during January, we talked about the idea that we are to be the branch connected to the Lord Jesus Christ. But we want to, as we move into 2020 with a vision, if I could cast it somehow, would be, and you may have heard this phrase, but we don't want to learn to come to church. We want to learn to be the church. Okay, when We, we want to uh, ask the Lord to give us an incredible impact and influence in people's lives as a church body, that he would just take us and use us this year in a, in a tremendous way. So what we're going to do today, I think, will help us to understand what exactly it is that God teaches us about the church, uh, what he tells us, in fact, that we are, because a, a lot of times I think there is a misconception. And we'll come back to this passage uh, most definitely and look at some things in a few minutes, but one of the things that I want us to uh, think about is just the different names. Sorry, we're jumping around here with my super duper clicker again. Guys, can we go back to Be The Body? We're... Be The Building. I, I don't know. You know, guys, I'm, I'm real sorry. We, we test these things. Well, let, let's try again. What, what would Sunday be without exciting here? Can we try maybe, a, if you get that working, that, that's okay. But uh, the, uh, the first thing that the Scripture tells us in the passage we're going to look at is it would be the body. There are a couple of other names that God gives to the church. He also calls it a building. Uh, actually, the, the writer Peter, in his books, he talks a lot about being the building. Jesus is the cornerstone. Everything is to line up with that and measure up to him. And he is that anchor. He is that foundation. And then also, the uh, next slide that I would click to if my clicker was working is we are to also to be the bride, uh, and that God calls us the bride of Christ. Those are three names that God gives, three pictures that God gives of what the church is to be. A body, the one we're going to look at primarily today, the building, and the bride. There are some other visions though that people have. How are we doing? Does it work? Okay, let's try it again. This is going to be exciting. Are you ready? Ready? Have you ever been more excited in your entire life? Be the bride. Yes, there we go. There are some other things that people kind of think of the church as. One of them is sometimes, hey, man, the church is more of a filling station. Okay? So the idea is, I got to come in here. I've had a rough week. I got to get juiced up. I got to get filled up. I got to get charged up. Now, if you come to me and you say, Pastor, if I'm standing in the lobby afterwards and you say, Pastor, thank you. That really got me ready for another week. That filled me up and ready to go. I am not going to rebuke you and say, well, you didn't listen to a stinking thing I said. But I want to tell you, this is not primarily what the church is called. It is not just a place where you come in, get a little refill, go out for the week. A lot of people think of the church like that. They think of the church as a movie theater, okay, because now I don't know about you, but movie theater for me is a total escape I've told you, I do not like movies that make me feel sad. Uh, if I go to the movie theater, I am escaping from reality. I'm living in a little dream world there like that. And for some people, they think of, okay, this is where I come once a week to kind of get away from it all. I just kind of, you know, I'm just escaping. I'm in this little world here. It's different than anything else. I need this. I need this this time. I'm, you know, I'm just getting away from it all. For some, it could be thought of as a drugstore. I'm sure many of you can relate to this right now with me. I've been uh, enjoying this cold for a week, and uh, that means that I've visited CVS. This is not an exaggeration. I've been in either CVS or Walgreens six times this week. I counted them up this morning. I get spastic like where I try something and it didn't work in the first hour, so I go back in and see what else they have. Uh, And I've been fighting this cold, you know, so I've got nasal rinses and I got uh, NyQuil and I got DayQuil and I got uh, different kinds of cough drops. I keep trying and everything like that. But some people think, hey, that's what you go to church for. You're not, you, know, you, need, you need some help. You need a little, little get-me-through. I don't want to have, have to have surgery. I don't want to go see the doctor. But I'm just going to run in here and see what I can get kind of a quick fix. Uh, that's why I'm going into church. Uh, and then one other thing that maybe it could be seen as is just the old big box store. And churches, is, uh, we've got to find the one that is offering the best deal uh, has the nicest setup, you know, the, the newest and most exciting thing, and is going to make sure that it's meeting all my needs, you know. Uh, no longer can Menars just sell lumber. Now they have to sell furniture and they have to sell groceries and everything like that. And the stores have to meet all our needs. And sometimes that's exactly what we think the church is supposed to be, too. It is supposed to just be the place where, hey, we got to provide as many services as we can, as best we can. That's what we're here to do. Now, I want to say about all those things, I'm not suggesting that there's not an element of truth in all of them. I get that. And I'm also not just this old guy standing up here going, that's the trouble with you youngins today. Everything is about consumer. Everything's about you. You think of millennials. That's your problem. Uh, you're just selfish and you're consumer-oriented and you're driven, and it all has to be about you. And the church is falling. That's not what I'm doing, honestly. That wasn't even me that you just saw. Uh, that was me imitating some old guy. Uh, but uh, that's that's not what I'm doing at all. Is saying you know that that uh, you know the, the preaching against the consumerism and anything like that. All that I really want to do is just say, hey, what does the Bible say the church is? What, you know, let's look at really what it says. What, 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 and, and before we get back to our text, I want to show you a, a couple of things where the word church is actually used by the Lord. Actually, these are the only two times that Jesus used the word church. One of them uh, is uh, in the book of Matthew, I believe chapter 16, I think this first one is. But uh, the story is that Jesus has asked what might be the most important question that I could ask every week in here, and that is, what do you believe about Jesus, or who do you say that he is? But Jesus has asked that que- uh, question to his disciples, and they said, oh, some say you're a prophet, and some say you're Elijah, and, and things like that. And then he said to Peter, Peter, who do you say that I am? Most important probing, probing question. And Peter said, you are Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said this, he said, I tell you, Peter, you are this rock and I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's the first time that Jesus used the word church. Now, obviously here, he is not talking about a specific building, a specific church, community church or first Pentecostal church down the road or anything like that. He's not talking about a specific group of individuals. He is talking about all believers through all the ages uh, you know, in in every situation, everybody that you, that collective body of believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. When he talks about his church here, he says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Sadly, that does not describe every church that you know. Right? Churches shut down. In fact, I I looked it up this week. This is a little bit mind-boggling, but you know, they say that over a hundred churches close in America every day. You know that. As bad as that sounds, to temper it a little bit, I think 60-plus open every day. So, we, so we're not totally lo- losing ground there. Uh, but the truth is, you know, there are you know, churches shut down, denominations shut down. They might fail. They might quit. But the church, the church of Jesus Christ will never shut down. So one thing that he is talking about is this all believers everywhere, okay, in all times. couple chapters later, he used the word, used the word church again. And he said, if he, uh, talking about an individual who has wronged somebody, he says, if he refuses to listen, he says, you go to that person. He's kind of laying out how to deal with problems in the church that uh, that moves towards solution and doesn't create incredible drama. He says, you go to that person individually. If he refuses to listen, then you tell it to the church. Okay, now in this case, obviously, he is not talking about Everybody, everywhere, who's ever followed Christ, he's now talking about a local body of believers. So the word church, which actually means called out assembly, that, that idea means both of these things. It is the the church of Jesus Christ, everybody who's ever believed, and it is this local body of believers. Now, if I can, for just a minute, let's talk church, um, because I. I You know, I go back and forth sometimes how to say things like this because it's not like I want to, you know, uh, bring you down. or. or But if we are honest, I think many of us, especially who have been uh, around churches for a long time, we, okay, this is going to sound like great preaching today, we know what it's like to be burned by a church. We know what it's like to have some scars from a church. We know what it's like to be hurt by people in the church. Okay, we know what it's like to be disillusioned. By that you know we we have seen that, so sometimes you might want to you know look at this and say, "Okay, wait a minute, then you know why bother? I mean, really, do I really want the church? do I really need the church uh, you know I, you know why 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 do we have to have the church if you want to say it, I uh, like that, and very simply <laughs> I I can say I I understand. You know, sometimes I look and I say, okay, Jesus is the head of the church. That's what we're going to get to uh, with the body. And I think, why would such an incredibly beautiful head, perfect head, want to join himself to such a feeble body? And sometimes I look at that, too. And sometimes I look at the scars of the past and and the way that I've seen people hurt and everything like that. And I say, okay, you know, wait a minute. Is this something that we need to stick with? And very simply, Scripture tells us, yes, this is God's plan. This is how God chose to share the gospel with the world is through his church and the starting of churches. This is what he has done. If I can say it like this, this is God's thing. We did not get together and elect Jesus, the head of the church. Hey, we need a leader. Hey, how about you? I nominate Jesus. Yeah, I'm for Jesus. That's good. Uh, We didn't do that. Jesus called us out to himself and put together his body like that. So the church is God. I don't always you know, think, hey, this is the way I do it, if you want to put it like that. And I know there are some hurts and everything like that, but I cannot, as the pastor who is trying to teach the word of God, I cannot just say, hey, the church is not important. The church is crucially important. This is God's design, and this is God's plan. So let's dig back into the passage that we read earlier from the, from the book of Corinthians, looking at the church as his body. And I want us to understand, uh, looking at the very first verse that we read, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members are of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. And I want to show you another verse in a parallel passage over in the book of Romans in chapter 12. You could read uh, the first seven or eight verses there, but it says, so we though many are one, one body and individually members one of another and i want us to remember this that unity is something that is created in christ now what i'm saying about that is this is not a command Uh, it it is not god saying okay get unified you're fighting get unified it's together you you must have unity it is what it really is 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 a statement of fact it is saying we are one in Christ. There are many things that when we come to Christ uh, and trust in him, place our trust in him as our Savior. uh, The Bible says in Christ there is forgiveness. In Christ there is redemption. In Christ there is justification. Another thing that he says is in Christ there is unity. This just happens, okay? This is not something, you know, wait a minute, I have to decide to join. No, when I come to Christ, I am joined to the others who have come to Christ. It's just there, is that, you know, I say, well, I don't really like that. I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, there it is. You are part of me, and I am part of you. You're getting kind of creepy here now, buddy. Here, I'll get more creepy for one second, then I'll straighten it up. But we are designed by a communal God. Well, when I say God is a communal God, you might be familiar that the, the doctrine of what, with the Trinity, that there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God is three, one God in three persons. And those three live together in community. They always have. That's why I say that God is not in need of anything. He never becomes lonely. He is complete in himself. He is a communal God, and he has designed us in his image, and he has designed us for community. Now, if that sounds a little cultish to you, do, do not be afraid. You know, I'm not, you know, he's telling me I'm part of him and he's part of me and, and all this. But I want us to understand what the Bible says. If you think of the, this picture that he gives us, we are a body, okay? And if you think about all the implications of that, you know, that is, that is why I can say with great confidence, whether or not you agree with me at this point, I can tell you we need each other. We need the body. Uh, that is why we promote and we encourage involvement in small groups. We figure that will help us to develop that community. Uh, that is why in a couple of weeks you may have noticed we're going to have a class to talk about church membership. If that's something uh, that, that uh, you're interested in finding more about, you know, please make a point to find out about that, that you are connected in that way. If you sit here as I say this, as I talk about this idea, if I'm telling you, hey, we need each other, and you bristle a little bit against that or you have a, you're struggling with it, can I, can I first of all just tell you I get you completely because I do too. I think it is a pride factor in me. I am Okay, tonight's Super Bowl night. If I had my druthers, uh, I do not watch Super Bowl with people. I just don't. I'm antisocial, uh, aren't I? Yeah, <laughs> she's like, yeah, uh, I'm married to you. I know. Uh, I, I'm just like that. So if you're like, boy, well, I don't really like where he's going with that. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, my wife and I were on our way back. I have a uh, men's group that I meet with every other Thursday night, and we were scheduled to meet. And this might freak some of you out here a little bit, but one of the things that we do in there is that we have an accountability time and a sharing time. And but on the way home, uh, we had we had been visiting with with some folks who were going through a very difficult time. And uh, on the way home, I said to my wife, I don't really want to go. (laughs) Uh, I don't like to go in and bring burdens, you know, and then, oh, woe is me, everything like that. But she reminded me that the last thing I said to the couple that we left was, do not bear this on your own. You don't have to grieve alone. You can have the help of other people, and that's what you're supposed to have. So don't isolate. Don't bear this alone. Now, I gave that advice to other people, got in the car, started riding home, and said, I don't want to go talk to people. <laughs> that's me. Uh, okay, and that's where I go a lot. So if you're a little bit like you have a hard time you're know, thinking about this whole idea that I actually need other people, uh, I, I get it, I get it, but just like that night I had to make myself go, I want to encourage you to make yourself uh, seek connection with other people in community. Some of it will happen you know, somewhat organically, but if not, I, I encourage you to, hey, invite somebody to lunch, invite another family over, uh, and if they say no, invite somebody else, and if they invite you, say yes. And just, you know, and work on that because the, we're designed to work together. Now, I don't know exactly what that looks like for everybody. I realize, and we're going to talk about this in a second, I realize that we're all different. And this community is not going to look exactly the same for everybody. But I can emphatically say we need each other. We need the body. That's how we're designed. We're designed by a communal God to function within community. I can say that with incredible confidence. It's a second point as we look at here. And uh, this is a point I almost skipped, but diversity can function in unity. The second verse, verse number 13, is the one that talks about the idea that in Christ we are one body, Jews and Greeks, slaves and free. Now, I, I just want to take real, real quickly, I just want to illustrate something for a second. Uh, I was a member of a, a church uh, close by here, Grace Church, some of you're familiar with for a long time. Uh, Grace is a church that the demographics would look very much like our church. It's a church in Granger, uh, Granger Granger-Edwardsburg area is very similar as far as the makeup of the people. So in other words, it's primarily a white church, okay, it's a suburban white church. Now they, they allowed their building to be used, I, I don't know, I think they rented it some and gave it some to a Korean church that met on Sunday afternoons. And the, uh, so the Korean church was there for years, and they had their fellowship. And then they also connected with a group in downtown South Bend uh, from, a, from a black church down there uh, that, uh, you know, that they operated a food pantry with. And um, once a year on New Year's Eve, they would get together and they'd have a service where the three different congregations would come together. And the Korean church was very... Uh, uh, sophisticated, I don't know how else to say that, they, you know, they'd, they'd come in in their little tuxedos, and they'd play their violins, and they worship the Lord in that way, and then the, uh, the church, the faith church would come in, and they'd have their, uh, choir robes, and they'd sway back and forth, and they'd sing, uh, stuff like that, me too, but I was kind of secretly, uh, and, uh, and then they had, uh, and then, then, then we had, of course, our typical white worship band, uh, play your guitar, play your drum, uh, stand there and sway back and forth just a little bit, say, uh, and, and, you know, we'd have the th- three, three different things. Now, it was, it was cool, and it was fun, but what happened pretty much every year afterwards, there'd be a couple people from each church who might connect with somebody in the other group, and that was about it. You know, then you just kind of went back in your own little world. And even right afterwards, you went in your own little group and, and everything like that. On the other hand, a few years ago, um, my wife and I got to go to New York City for a weekend. And on Sunday morning, we wanted to visit the Brooklyn Tabernacle. And we got up, got on the subway, rode right over to the Brooklyn Tabernacle. And we're sitting down there in this big church in, in downtown New York. And, and beside us is this family that uh, looked pretty much like us. We started talking to them. And then they came back and they said something about Wiedersen or something. Anyway, they were German. Uh, And I I realized we weren't communicating all that well, but they did know some English. And we were talking to them some. And the family in front of me was Hispanic. And the family behind uh, them was black and and, uh, everything like that. And they worshiped together. And they sang together. And they loved each other together. And it was awesome. And I guess what I am trying to say is this is what the church, the body of Christ, is to be. Okay? And we, we can't force that, and, and I know, you know where we are. I'm not saying you know, we need to go out and, and make this happen, but we can pray to that end and ask God to do that because those walls that we put up that involve you know, race and ethnicity, I can't say that word, but if I could, uh, I would say it. And those walls that we like to build between us and other people, that's what the gospel of Christ tears down and invites us into his family. as we understand that. Okay, a third uh, point as I look at this, I'd like us to see something I think very important here is individuality is valued in the body. Hopefully you can see that. That one verse that I stopped and read, read a little bit slower. Let me read it again. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. Okay, if we could get a hold of that idea that God, values our individuality. The passage that I referred to over in Romans chapter 12 gives us that same idea, and I think it helps us. Listen to this definition of individuality. Precious, listen, this is good. <laughs> it's not mine. I wrote it down. Uh, precious grace-given differences. Let me say that again. Precious grace-given differences. If you go over and read Romans chapter 12, uh, it talks about that idea that these things are given by God. And we are created differently. And re- I invite you, uh, hopefully, some as a small group, and you can get together to go back into this passage that we look at and just kind of soak in it a little bit and, and see what it is saying there about the body and how this works and how we are different. But we are so different. And, and read what it says about you know, how you know, we're kind of uh, c- comparing and, and uh, evaluating different gifts that we think are more important and, and see But God has created you exactly as he intends you to be. And if you can get through this idea that you are not on this earth by accident, okay? And, and for some of us, we struggle maybe with a little bit of the way God has created us. And you know, maybe I don't like the personality. I don't like my background. I don't like my body. I don't like the the uh the, the gifts that I feel like are irrelevant that he has given me I don't like that somebody else has things better, and I struggle with that. Immerse yourself in this passage and get a hold of that and understand how much God values individuality and how much it is valued in the body of Christ. You have significant gifts to to contribute, and if you have this feeling somehow that you know I really just do not belong, I can say with confidence <laughs> i don't know. How, that you're wrong. That you're wrong. That God has you—you know—again uniquely put you in the body with a purpose that is just as significant as anybody else's purpose. Read the passage. I'm not making that up. Um, a third, uh, fourth thing that I'd like you just to see. Sorry, I, I apologize. I don't know what I do. Uh, but in the body, definitely comparison, and I think we could throw the word in here, competition is useless in the church. We need, uh, you know, to operate in grace towards others and towards others' differences. Um, I used to have a friend that, uh, goofing around, you know, if, he, if we were ever, like, getting served dessert or anything like that, he'd always uh, look at the, if he got the biggest piece, he'd say, God likes me best. And uh, or even if uh, he even if I mean this is kind of weird but we'd be playing basketball and he'd hit a a shot and he'd say God loves me doesn't he uh, you know that type of thing and he, he did it in jest but the truth is many times we have this idea. That, that God somehow has his favorites. And it's almost like, you know, God only has a certain amount of love and acceptance and, and everything like that and talent to, get, to give out. And if Robert got it all, then there's none left for me. You know, it's that kind of idea. How important it is that we understand that we have an infinite God who never comes up short on on any of, the, of those things and that we have this individual value to him and that God is not in any way comparing. God is not comparing me to other people. God is not comparing you to other church members. That's not comparing you to other business owners or anything like that. Uh, that's, not, that's not where it plays. Read the passage. Why would, that, why would I look and say, wait a minute, why can't I be the hand? You know, wait a minute, why can't I be the, the foot? You know, I, wh- why would I look that way? God made me the way he wants, uh, the way, exactly the way he wants me, and given me a role within the body of Christ. One last thing that I really wanted to point out to you, if you have your Bibles... Notice, I've mentioned this before. A lot of times when we think of the you know, Bible, we think of, okay, chapter 5, verse number 14, chapter 6, verse 7. And we think somehow you know, that God was dictating the Bible and he said, okay, now let's start chapter 8. Okay, all those little numbers that are in there are put in there by man for our help so that we can find verses. Okay, that's, that's it. Okay, this was just a letter that Paul wrote to the church. They weren't divided up at all. Now, I want you to see that because at the end of chapter 12, he is talking about the different gifts in the church and how we're supposed to function as a body. And then he goes into 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And some of you are familiar with 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We call it the what chapter? Love chapter. Yeah, and we love to read that at weddings. Okay? I'm going to read that at your wedding, AJ. Uh, Love is kind and patient. He's getting married in a few weeks. Uh, But, you know, love is kind and patient and and all these things like that. And that's fine to read at weddings because it's great and it works in marriages. But if you look at the context of it, he's saying, hey, in this body, the way everything is supposed to function, uh, the the key thing, the thing that makes this all go, that makes it all flow, kind of the, the lube, if you will, that keeps the body functioning is love. Love is supreme. And, you know, we'll have a chance this week in, in small groups to talk about 1 Corinthians 13 and look at these different characteristics of love and say, hey, this is what makes it go. This is what makes it function. You know, we have so many spear parts around here lately. Ronnie's getting a new hip tomorrow. Uh, uh, Donna got a new knee on Tuesday, and you got a new knee a little while ago. And Dennis has 12 new hips. I don't know. I'm not completely how sure how that goes. Uh, but uh, you know, but we have all these fake body parts. I, I used to. Uh, I had a friend that uh, he got his master's degree at Notre Dame, and the, the, his old project was on developing the lube that goes in these joints. You know, because they used to tell you these these things are only going to last 10 years or whatever like that, and now. Uh, I'm thinking about just going and getting everything renewed. Uh, you know, last lasts forever, you know, because they, they have these ways to lube them and keep them going. What I'm saying is as far as the body of Christ is concerned, here's our lube is the love. This is the thing that keeps us working, keeps it working smoothly and everything like that as we look at that in the body. You remember the story of the night that Jesus was... Um, out in the garden, and the uh, Roman soldiers came to take him. Remember that uh, one of the disciples got a little excited in Jesus' defense and drew a sword. Uh, Peter picked up a little sword, and he got swinging, and he, remember what he did? He chopped off a guy's ear. Some of you might remember that story. Uh, Probably wasn't swinging for an ear, but, uh, but uh, but he chopped off an ear. Do you remember what Jesus did? He reached back down, picked it up, put it back on. And he to put it back together. I, I wanted you to think about that little picture for just a second here because maybe that's exactly where you are as far as it, it's just an illustration. I don't think that was the message of the story or anything. But uh, maybe that's exactly where you are. You kind of just say, separate it. Maybe the, there has been some hurt in the church. You're like, well, I don't want to have anything to do with it. And I'm a little afraid to get connected again. I'm a little afraid to, to, to step out there and, and make myself vulnerable, even in love to other, other people in the, in the body because, uh, because there's been some hurt. And I, if you can kind of take that little picture and say, hey, maybe what Jesus wants to do is just kind of rejoin you to the body, uh, get, you, get you connected uh, to his body again today. Maybe he brought you here today because he wants you to know how incredibly valued you are. Please believe this is not, Pastor decided to say some positive message to you. Go back and immerse yourself in this passage. Re- re- read this 12 and then just stop and think about it a little bit. Think about the di- different phrases and understand how incredibly you are valued to Jesus in the in the body here that he has a place for you and he wants to, to use you. You know, maybe you'll just uh, come away from today and say, hey, I need to take a little bit more effort maybe into uh into making some connections with people. You know, and, and, and he, I know it doesn't always work. Ser- seriously, I, I was uh, <laughs> set up on a blind date with a pastor in town a little while ago. Uh, they, uh, they said, to, hey, this guy, you, you need to get together with him. I had several people tell me this. You guys have a lot in common. It'll be great. And, and we sat down for lunch, and we talked for an hour and a half. <laughs> and I thought, you know, first of all, you know me. He never smiled once. He was just super Good guy, but super serious. I, could, I, was, I kept waiting for a smile. <laughs> you know, give me something here, buddy. Uh, he was just so serious. Uh, and, you know, we got done. We shook sure hands. So, well, we will do this again, both of us knowing I'll never see you again, buddy. Uh, and it just was not a love connection. I know not every, everything works like that. But I, I really, I, you know, I guess what I'm saying is I, you know, I don't want to be silly. Hey, you, you, know, you need to do this, and you need to do this. You know, I'm just saying understand what the body is. Understand what the church is. It is to be a body. We need each other. we got to figure this, this thing out because we're designed to operate together and to help each other functioning in this way. So we got to figure it out some. Um, my, uh, I guess I was about 24 or something like that, but my wife and I were chaperones at a camp up in Saucotuck, Mich- Michigan, teen chaperones, uh, Pine Trails Camp. They had this awesome tube hill uh, that was, you know, was dune. It was, I don't know, I'm going to estimate 8,000 feet. I don't know what it was, but it, it, it was really good. It was, it was a really good good hill. And uh, I was a young counselor, and every time I would uh, go up to the top of the hill and jump on an inner tube, 17 teenagers would pile on top of me. <laughs> hey! I <laughs> uh, like that and have fun. And I was getting a little old and a little I was getting a little sore. And uh, I got this great plan. I was going to take my inner tube. I was going to sneak up the back of the dune so I could get one good run down the dune. And uh, that's what I did. I took my inner tube, sneaked up through the woods, uh, came running out of there. Jumped, hit it flying. You have to picture a lot younger, more agile me. Uh, but, you know, I'm, fly- I'm flying down this hill. This, this hill this year was the, it was the perfect storm. It was about 10 degrees and sunshine. So the sun would melt the snow a little bit, and then it would freeze it, and it was a sheet of ice going down. And at the bottom, there was a neat little dip, and it, it, it became great just to watch everybody come down and fly up in the air uh, and everything like that. And there I was. I was flying top speed down that hill. I hit the little dip at the bottom flew up in the air. I'm not, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. You need to look at my wife when you think I'm lying. She's telling, I'm telling the truth. This is all true. Uh, I did, I flew off the tube and did a complete somersault in the air, landed on my feet, okay? The whole crowd that was at the bottom was, was amazed. They were, they were like applauding and laughing, and look at that. That was great. I didn't do it on purpose. It's just, hey, here I am. Uh, and, and, and right away, I got this real strange feeling and I walked over and I decorated the snow with my lunch and I, uh, I could just tell something wasn't right. And uh, there was a nurse there and she came out and she said, we need to get him to the hospital. And they took me up to Holland Hospital. And I remember I went in there and I was laying there and it, and, and it was just really weird, uh, just a feeling I, c- I couldn't describe. And uh, the doctor, uh, I remember he walked over and he pushed down on my stomach here and he, and didn't hurt at all. He says, that hurt? I said, no. And I remember then he let go and it like popped up like jello. And I screamed, uh, because it really hurt. I said, ah! And he said, did that hurt? <laughs> I See why they pay you the big bucks there, buddy. Uh, and, but then he said, are you from around here? And I said, no. And he said, that's too bad. And, and he sa- I said, you like it here? He said, no, but you're going to be here a while. Uh, and he said, we're going to have to take out your spleen. And, uh, and he, he knew that right away. and there's some other great parts of the story. If I'd have time, I'd tell you because it was, it was really quite comical and everything. But I'll, I just I I'll always remember, you know, one of the one of the things is uh, they were waiting for the surgeon to get out of surgery. And, they, and what are we waiting for? Well, Zanuelts in surgery. And I remember one of the guys who didn't know I was still with it enough to hear him said, "So are we going to let him die?" And uh, and I, I remember that because of course I sat up and said, "No." Uh, if I have a vote, uh, I, I, I really don't want that. But, uh, but I also remember them kind of flippantly saying, hey, we got to take out your spleen. And I, I didn't even know what the spleen was. I was like, well, that sounds serious. Uh, and, eh, you don't need it. I, I remember the one guy specifically saying, "Ah, eh, you don't need it uh, like that. Now, of course, he was trying to make me feel a little bit better uh they have since they since then i understand they do a lot more to save the spleen than they used to it used to be like i ah, get rid of it put it in a jar but uh but at that point it was just you know get get rid of it but uh, after a while, they figured out, hey, this is something that uh, it has some value. We've got to try to save it. And I think the more science learns about the human body, the more they learn, there's everything, you know, it has its purpose and everything. The spleen is a filter for the blood, by the, by the way. Maybe that's why I have a cold today because I'm spleenless. Uh, but, uh, but, any, but anyway, just the, that, that whole idea of understanding that it has a purpose and see that. I hope that in coming here today, and I hope you'll take that passage and read it later, and you'll realize I'm not an accident. I'm not in the body as an accident. God specifically designed me as he desires that it be. Read it. That's what it says. The worship team is going to come back up so we can close with a song uh, as they come up. I'm going to just pray for us. Father, I... (laughs) Lord, I, I want to be as, as honest as I can because, uh, you know, if some have struggled in the past, they've had bad church experiences or anything like that. I certainly understand it, Lord. I, I really do. I know that we are flawed, and within your body, sometimes you know, we do some things that hurt people. But, Lord, I pray that you would just show us that this indeed is something that you designed. Lord, we, we didn't pick you, you called us out to gather us together for worship. To send us out for service. And Lord, may this church, this particular body of believers grow to embrace the purpose and mission that you have called us out. May, may this year in particular, Lord, I just pray that you try to take us and powerfully use us as your body to do what, to do what you'd have us to do. And Lord, I, I also pray, Lord, help me to I didn't say too much about this, Lord, but we become part of your body when we're in Christ. Lord, if there's somebody who doesn't even know what that means to be in you, that, uh, you know, I'm talking kind of a foreign language. Lord, I I don't ever want to do that. I don't want to confuse anybody. I want them to know, Lord, that you love them and you want a relationship with them. And being in Christ means that their faith and trust is planted firmly in you for forgiveness of sin and eternal life. Lord, would you take that message that I just rammed through even as I'm talking to you and, uh, and, and, and make it real in people's lives, I pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you that we can gather as your people in your name. And we know that we are the body. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.